Okay, today is going to be a very different worship service than we normally have here at Calvary. In a busy holiday season like the one we find ourselves in, many people find themselves pretty worn down, right? Many of you probably experiencing that, uh, tired from all the activity between Christmas parties and family gatherings and banquets and final exams, and people are just going and going and going, and not to mention all the traveling and cooking and shopping and wrapping and snow shoveling we might have to do all this This season is just a very busy season. So what we want to do today is we just want to take an hour, a little bit over an hour, and slow things down a bit. And the way we're going to do this is by meditating on a few key truths together as a church. Now, when I say meditation, I'm not talking about the meditation that people do in other religions or in transcendental meditation, or yoga. In those types of meditation, people usually empty their minds. That's the goal. And that's something that we don't believe is actually healthy for us to do. With, with the Bible, When the Bible talks about meditation, it's talking about filling our minds. Not, it's talking about filling our minds, but not in a stressful, hectic, busy way, but instead in a focused, attentive in concentrated way. We want to fill our minds with good things and pure things about God, about the gospel, about, with scripture, God's word. Philippians 4, 8 tells us this. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, If there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. So today, we're going to seek to obey this teaching of Scripture and think on these things. Okay? Now, the service might seem a little bit strange to you. It's not going to be a traditional sermon. We won't be following our usual order of service. But I do guarantee you that this service will be full of truth from God's Word. Okay? Truths that we will meditate on through some teachings, through some songs, through some readings, through prayers, and more. And these truths that we will meditate on can change your life today for the better. I hope they do. So I invite you to, with me, with us, to slow down today, to meditate on God's truth and worship God together. I'll do my best to guide us through a time that is rich in worship of our God today. Will you please stand with us now? There's a historic Presbyterian church in Philadelphia that began each service that they did with an invitation. And Pastor Ray Orland has adapted this invitation a bit for modern usage. And I'd like to start out with his welcome today to each one of you here at Calvary. Because I bet that most of us can find ourselves described in its words. Okay? So welcome to all who are weary and need rest. To all who mourn and long for comfort. To all who feel worthless and wonder if God even cares. To all who are weak and fail 
and desires strength. To all who sin and need a Savior. To all who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And to whomever else will come, this church opens wide her doors and offers her welcome in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let us worship God. Do you ever wonder why we do certain things that we do? I hope you do. I mean, it's good to be inquisitive about something's purpose, why we do something. Because it's, if there is something in your life that you do that does not have a good reason to do it, then you don't need to do it. Shouldn't do it, probably. For example, well, this isn't a, a bad example. It's a good example. But <laughs> Do you ever wonder why you brush your teeth? Think about it. Why do you brush your teeth? I mean, if you spend the recommended two minutes brushing your teeth twice a day, which I know that you all do faithfully, right? And you floss too, right? (laughs) Right. Okay, fine. Let's say you even spend one minute a day brushing your teeth. Okay? That adds up to over six hours every year. Okay? Okay? And if you do spend the full two minutes twice a day, that's over a full day every year. So why do you do that? Why do you spend so much time brushing your teeth, standing in the mirror and looking like this? (laughs) It's because, really, that you've been taught that there are good reasons and good benefits for doing so. Right? It keeps you healthy. It keeps you from you, you from having cavities or decay or other painful problems. It keeps your mouth clean, your gums strong. It, it makes your mouth feel good. Not to mention it prevents your breath from scaring everyone away in a 10-foot radius. Now, you can ask these questions about all kinds of daily activities and habits. Right? Why eat healthy food? Why clean your house? Why get dressed? Why shower? Why sleep? Why buckle up when you get into a car? Why surf Facebook? Why study? Why exercise? Why go to that party? Why go to work? Why watch that TV show? Why visit your family? Some of these have very excellent reasons and purposes. Some don't. But we, I think we really should question why we do things that we do in our life. What's its purpose? So here's my question today. Why do we worship God together? Why do we gather as a church week after week? Why go to church? Why sing to God? Why pray? Why study scripture? Why worship? I hope that you know some of the reasons we do. I I hope that we know many reasons for why we do this. We as a church, we feel that we have have core purposes for doing what we do. And if you turn your bulletin over to the front, you can read our mission statement there as a church. Now, a mission statement is not scripture. Okay? 
but it's how we sum up what we believe Scripture teaches us to do as the church. This is what we as a church are here for. And it just says, we exist to glorify God by making and developing increasingly devoted disciples of Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit. This is why we exist as a church. This is why we come to church. This is why we worship as a church. But do you notice those first two words there? Glorifying God. Glorifying That's really the underlying purpose of everything on there. Okay? Everything we do. It's really the underlying reason behind all of us even existing. Okay? We as human beings exist to glorify God in everything we do. And our gathering together as God's people to worship is one small expression of this. I'd like you to take a Bible if you have one, or you can take one in the pew in front of you and open it up with me to Psalm 147. Psalm 147, which if you're using one of the Pew Bibles, you can find it on page 525. Psalm 147. I read this psalm this week, and it really struck, it stuck out to me. It struck me in the very first verse. It really made a big impact. I want you to read the first verse with me. It says, Psalm 147, verse 1, Praise the Lord, for it is good to sing praises to our God. For it is pleasant, and a song of praise is fitting. So, if you ever wonder why we praise God in song together, this verse tells us why. It actually gives us three reasons, all in that one verse. Praise the Lord, for it is good to sing praises to our God, for it is pleasant, and a song of praise is fitting. So first of all, it is good to praise God. Why? Because God tells us to praise. It's commanded to praise God. I don't know the exact numbers offhand, but I do know that there is no command in Scripture repeated more often than the command to praise or sing to God. None. Okay. So if we want to obey... Almighty God, with his moral will for us through Scripture, then we praise him. Okay? Whether or not you like singing, God wants you to sing praise to him. Okay? It's a command that Christians need to obey. But, in case that sounds too harsh for you, notice the second reason we should praise. It is good to sing praises to our God, for it is pleasant. It's pleasant to praise God. In other words, there's something in it for us. Okay? Now, you may have seen a video going around a few months ago that showed Joel and Victoria Osteen preaching in their mega church in Texas. And uh, you know, I'm huge fans of them. But <laughs> Victoria was saying something that was not very wise, to say the least. Okay, in the video, she said this. Realize that when we obey God, we're not doing it for God. We're doing it for ourselves. Do good for your own self. Do it because God wants you to be happy. When you come to church, when you worship him, you're not doing it for God, really. You're doing it for yourself. Because that's what makes God happy. Amen? There are words I'd like to use to describe that that I can't use here. Someone posted this video, though, 
as a mashup with a two or three second clip from a TV show of a popular comedian saying at the end, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> Amen to that, right? How is, she was way off base, but I do think that there was a grain, just a grain, but a grain of truth in what she was saying. Okay? I do think it's a, it's a biblical principle that when we worship God, for God, when we worship God, for God, not ourselves, that God always pours his blessing out on us. Okay? And we should never worship for what we'll get out of it, but we do get things out of it. Right? Okay, worship is not about us. It's about God and His glory. But when was the last time you worshiped God with your whole heart and your whole, whole soul and you went away not feeling blessed because you did so? Really? Now, I do pity you if you don't find singing pleasant. But praise, praise of God should always be pleasant. Is designed that way. God designed us to enjoy praising Him. No matter what the music style or quality, we should love praising God because God has designed it that way. For it's good, for it's pleasant. And the third reason Psalm 147 gives is the most important of all. For it is good to sing praises to our God, for it is pleasant. And a song of praise is fitting. It is fitting. Why is it fitting? Why is it appropriate? Let me tell you why. Because God is worthy of it. That's why it's fitting. Because God is worthy. And if you read the rest of the psalm, which we won't be doing this morning, but if you read the rest, you can see this come through again and again. God is worthy of our praise. And this is why praise is fitting. When we get a glimpse of who our God is. There is no other appropriate response but to worship Him. He is holy. He is righteous. He is just. He is sovereign. He is strong. He is wise. He is present. He is eternal. He is the creator. He is awesome. He is glorious. He is beautiful. He is great. He is loving. He is gracious. He is merciful. He is forgiving. He is patient. He is kind. He is good. So why praise and worship God? Because God is worthy of our praise and our worship. Why should we seek to love God? As Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul. And your mind is saying, why do that? Because God deserves all of our love. Why sing to God as a gathering of His people? Because He is worthy of our songs. Why raise our hands or clap or even move a little bit? Only because our God is worthy. He is worthy of our responding to Him with our entire heart, mind, soul, and strength. It's the reason God wants us to worship. Because it is fitting for us to give him glory. So I invite you again. Let's worship God together. Just stand once more.
We'll sing together. As Isaiah learned in this passage we just read, when we see God's glory, we see Him for who He really is. One of the first things it does is expose our ungloriousness. It reveals our sin, our wickedness, our evil hearts in light of His holy glory. Psalm 23 asks the question, Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord, and who shall stand in His holy place? And then the answer comes in verse 4. says, He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully, he will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek the face of the God of Jacob. So if we are clean and we are pure, we can stand before God in his holiness. But we're not very clean, are we? I have a feeling that most of us cleaned ourselves up to come to church today. Right? We, we showered, we groomed ourselves, we did our hair, even brushed our teeth. But our physical, multiple times, <laughs> yeah. But our physical cleanliness cannot mask the fact that we are spiritually dirty. I want you to raise your hand if you failed to follow God with your whole heart this week. Okay? Anyone who didn't raise their hand just lied. Which means you can all raise your hands now. Okay? This is good for us. Okay, raise your hands if you failed to follow God with your whole heart and soul and mind and strength this week. Who, who fell short of God's glory this week? Okay? Who sinned? This week? Did you lust this week? Did you live selfishly? Think anxiously? Hurt someone that you know or love? Lose your temper? Did you buy something out of greed this week? Did you eat too much? Ouch. (laughs) Say too much? You've all done it, right? We're going to put a a corporate prayer up on the screen in a second. It's a prayer of confession that I want us to pray out loud together. We don't do this often enough, but it's good for us to confess our sins together. That we have failed. We have fallen short. But first, I want to take a minute for silent prayer. Okay? And you all bow your heads and close your eyes for us to confess our sins personally. Because you know where you've fallen short. You know where you need grace. So pray to God. Open your heart to Him, even the deepest, darkest corners. And let Him shine His light into those spots and clean you up today. Okay, let's just pray in silence. 
you look up on the screen, there's some words we'll pray together as a church family. Almighty God, we confess how hard it is to be your people. You've called us to be the church, to continue the mission of Jesus Christ to our lonely and confused world. Yet we acknowledge that we are more apathetic than active, isolated than involved, callous than compassionate, obstinate than obedient, legalistic than loving. Gracious Lord, have mercy upon us and forgive our sins. Remove the obstacles preventing us from being your representatives to a broken world. Awaken our hearts to the promised gift of your indwelling spirit. This we pray in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. And if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen. Please have a seat. Brian Chappelle says that grace is all the more beautiful when we face the ugliness of our sin. But we do not confess our wretchedness to wallow in self-pity or merit divine mercy. We confess our destitution so that our hearts will be enraptured anew and motivated afresh by the riches of our Savior's love. In Scripture, God never points out our sin just to make us depressed. He points out our sin so that we'll see the hope of His mercy and grace. And so that we will repent, and that we will be washed clean, and that we will be moved to rejoice. In the way that God's mercy broke through our wickedness is only through Jesus Christ. That Jesus came to earth, which we just celebrated over Christmas. That he lived a perfect life without sin, satisfying God's demands for holiness. That he took up a cross and suffered and died for our sake dying the death that we deserve for our sins. And that he rose again, triumphing over the powers of sin and death forever. To show us the beauty of the gospel today, I'll invite right now just a few people that I've asked to read some passages from Scripture for us. And what I want you to do as they read is to simply listen and meditate and soak this in. Okay, Think of the truths that they'll say. Contemplate the love of Jesus. Ponder anew the sacrifice that he made for you. Marvel at the glory of his plan. 
and then rejoice in his resurrection. Okay? I invite you to do this as they leave. were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of man. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And the word became flesh, and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the governor's headquarters, and they gathered the whole battalion before him. And they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him, and twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and put a reed in his hand. And kneeling before him, they mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews! They spit on him and took the reed and struck him on the head. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the robe and put his own clothes on him and led him away to crucify him. And when they had crucified him, they divided his garments among them by casting lots. Then they said, sat down and kept watch over him there. And over his head they put the charge against him, which read, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Then the two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right and one on the left. And those who passed by him derided him, wagging their heads and saying, You who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Isaiah 53, 2-10. He grew up before him like a young plant, and like a root out of a dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him, and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hid their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was a chastisement that brought us peace, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people. And they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death, although he had done no violence, and there was no deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He was put, he has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for sin, he shall see his offspring. 
He shall prolong his days, and the will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus, who is crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. So why praise and worship God? Though there are countless more reasons, I hope you need no more. I do want to insert here, though, an invitation to any of you who've come in here today for whatever reason, and you've never responded to this before, to Christ coming and dying for you. Maybe you've never heard of the good news of Jesus that your sins can be forgiven. Maybe you've heard it many times, but it's never affected you that much. If God is moving in your heart today, don't ignore that. I plead with you to not ignore it. And I'd encourage you to leave your sins and run to Christ. Find his mercy today. Your life will never be the same, but that's a good thing. Open your heart, receive God's love, and you'll be saved forever. Not because of anything you've done, but because of Jesus Christ, what he's done for you. If you'd like to talk with someone about this or pray with someone, I'd love to do so after the service. As Romans 10 says, if you confess with your sins, that, or confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That promise holds true today. The passage we read moments ago in 1 Corinthians ends this way. It's, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. So, because of God's grace, because of his goodness to us, because of his victory, we then respond to that. We are, we are to be, as this verse says, abounding in the Lord's work, laboring steadfastly, immovably. I want you to think about those words and meditate them on them this morning. Are we truly abounding in the work of the Lord? 
Okay? If we are trying to do so, take heart by this passage. Okay? Be encouraged. Okay? Don't base your fulfillment, your satisfaction on your service for the Lord. Okay? Don't rest on your laurels of your own accomplishments. Okay? It is only by the labors of Christ that our labors are not in vain. Know that. Okay? Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. May we rest in His work and therefore press on all the harder. And, on the other side, if we're not abounding in the work of the Lord, ask yourself, why aren't we? Are our lives choking out the opportunities that we have to glorify God and are serving Him and loving others and reaching out to the lost or hurting around us. If things need to change, they need to change. A new year begins in four days from now. And a lot of people are making resolutions about this time of year. Now, I'm torn on the actual benefit of making New Year's resolutions. But, generally, making goals, as long as they're realistic and reachable, is a good thing to do. Setting goals for us. So what I'd want you to do, I encourage you today, as you look at this verse and you meditate on it, consider making one major spiritual goal for the following year. I want you to think specifically And practically, what's an area of your life that you would like to grow in in 2015? Maybe reaching out to a neighbor or a friend. Maybe getting into God's Word regularly. Maybe praying. Maybe offering your gifts and your talents to serve in a ministry. Maybe raising your level of giving. Maybe experiencing victory over a sin. Making a commitment to a small group every week. These are all great goals. Okay? But today I encourage you to just pick one. Okay, focus on one. Maybe that the Spirit has already been prompting you on in the weeks leading up to this. And you know what that is. The Spirit's been moving in you already to do. And I don't encourage you to make these goals to become legalistic in any way. Okay, don't make a rule for yourself that you have to follow. But as I want you to encourage you to do this as a proper response to the gospel of God's grace to you. Okay, saying, God, I know that you already love me. You're not trying to earn God's love with this. I know that you love me, and I want to love you more. Okay, that has to be our motive in serving, and to love God more, to glorify God and only Him. Okay? Once you have an idea, okay, as you think about this, a, a growth goal, perhaps you want to write it down somewhere. Okay? On your bulletin, in your phone, maybe in your Bible somewhere. But I want you to make it a prayerful commitment to God today. And God, by your grace, I'd like to grow in this area. And I know I need your help. Because I can't do it on my own. I pray that. Please help me by your spirit to do this. And then, don't just expect this to happen magically. 
put a practical plan together, okay, that's reachable, that's doable, something that you can do. And again, pray that God would help you to do it. Let me encourage you, though. If the Lord tarries till 2016, okay, you still won't be perfect. You'll never stop needing Jesus. I will never stop needing Jesus. But by His grace, the Spirit just keeps working on us. And as we rely on Him in our efforts, we do keep growing by His grace. Praise God. We're going to respond in a couple practical ways this morning before we close. First, I'm going to call our ushers for it, actually, to prepare themselves for offering. Mike Cosper, I'll read this in a second. But as they take the offering, Angela's going to sing a song that, again, you can just meditate on, listen to the word, you can join in if you catch on to it. And then after that is done, I want to take just a few minutes to pray together as a church. Pray for the following year, pray for each other, and then finally, we'll send you out singing. Okay, As the church to a needy world around us. So, prepare for the offering. Mike Cosper says this, Giving is a worshipful response to the gospel. With transformed hearts, we're released from the idolatry of money and empowered to give it away. And remember, as we said recently, we give of what we have because Jesus gave everything for us. Okay? So let's pray. Lord, we love you. We need you. Thank you from the bottom of our hearts, for your sacrifice for us. Please accept our sacrifices for you today. Though they don't measure up at all, we want to give something back. So please use these gifts for your glory as you see fit. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope you've been blessed by being with the family of God today. I'm going to leave you with a final prayer straight from Scripture in Hebrews 13. Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. God bless. Have a great week. And Happy New Year.